Welcome to Battleground. Today is Wednesday, May the 5th. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. So uh, we, we, we are going to be celebrating in a few hours. It's, I'm sure it's 3 o'clock somewhere. So uh, happy Cinco de Mayo to whoever has a cocktail in their hand. Um, it's, it's been a crazy week. Um, the last, the last thing we talked about was our announcement that we went, we moved battleground over to the C-suite network. So hopefully you're going to follow us there. We're still on the other platforms, but we're on C-suite radio and C-suite TV. So that's on Roku, Amazon fire, Apple TV, download the channel and you can watch us there. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, everything that's going on with the Biden administration, I had, um, I had a lot of um, doubts. Who do I bring? Who, who, who's that broad that can sit there and address just about everything that's going on with this chaotic administration? And uh, there's no other than uh, our, our good friend, Dan Garza. So, Dan, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, like I said, you're, you're one of our fearless leaders in our community, man. And uh, there's very few, if any, that can uh, talk about all issues like you. So thanks for coming. No, I appreciate it very much, Ivan, and I really appreciate the, the work that you do that brings a lot of value, I think, to the discourse and the discussion that is so needed, you know, obviously in our communities, especially the Latino community that, uh, you know, obviously needs to have these honest conversations about, you know, our systems of governance and, and, and then, of course, the elected leaders that are running our, our, our institutions and, and how they impact our uh, everyday lives. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys do a great job at Libra. I know you You've been at the forefront of a lot of things going on since uh, since the inaugural and since before, but especially since the inaugural. So I don't even know what to bring up, Dan, but uh, oh, why, don't I do this? why don't I just ask you to yeah. tell us what you guys have been up to? That's probably the fairest way to start, right? Well, you know, with, of course, um, fundamentally, uh, you know, our, our elected leaders can choose two directions. And one is to centralize more money, more power, and more control in Washington, D.C., right, in our federal government so that it has, um, you know, um, obviously more decision-making authority over our daily lives. And now it's telling us, you know, when we can go to church. I mean, yeah. we've reached that point, right? And, and the other direction is reverse that calculus, right, to empower the individual to innovate, you know, to achieve things um, that work towards achieving their aspirations and not the aspirations of a politician, you know, whatever party it is, you know, or uh, any elected leader, but but your personal American dream, right? And that's what we fight for. And so we've been on the defense a lot, you know, in this administration, unfortunately, you know, the spending is is sky high, is out of control. And that's something we need to rein in uh, and, and, and take the fight to them. Um, but, you know, uh, Ivana, if I can speak to one thing that we are doing is that we, we're going across the country right now. Tim Phillips and I from Americans for Prosperity actually just came back from a trip we did in Tempe, Arizona, and Pahrump, Nevada, and Las Vegas, where we were in front of really packed rooms, you know, folks who are concerned that the Democrat Party right now, as you know, controls the House, controls the Senate, controls the White House. And now, uh, apparently, that isn't enough power for them. Uh, they're, 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 the, the avarice for more and more control and more power has them wanting to eliminate the filibuster. And what that would do is, is give them unchecked, unbridled power to steamroll their agenda over and above anybody else. Um, and and that, that I think it would cause uh, even more hurt, even more pain economically uh, for a lot of folks. And, and so 
uh, and, it, and it would ruin our, our um, the tools that we have that encourage debate and uh, deliberation in the Senate. Uh, and so we, we, we aim to stop it. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's one of the big concerns, right? And, and, and talking to a lot of folks um, really about only the filibuster, not even getting into packing the pork, which you want to get into in a minute. But if they get rid of the filibuster, would that in essence be the beginning of the end of America, of who we are? Because they're going to ramsack whatever the hell they want. And then the next the next election cycle, the other side wins. So we say we're, we're going to go reverse all that and drive all of our stuff through. And then it just keeps on going back and forth. There's no continuity. There's no stability. Uh, we become one of these banana republic countries in Latin America, like we're seeing Peru right now, fighting for their life. So a Marxist-Leninist communist candidate doesn't win the presidency. We're seeing the situation in Colombia with Ivan Duque and the left and the FARC and the terrorists and the Maduro-backed you know, uh, groups causing violence and chaos, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, the list is long. You know it well. Um, would we end up down that path if this happens? Well, look, um, it, it wouldn't improve on the situation. And as you know, Ivan, uh, right now we are very polarized. This is a very divided country. Uh, what The House right now is, I think, is a difference of five or seven seats or something. Uh, and yeah. and, and there, look, uh, there's almost no question there's going to be a red wave, right, that, that's going to come in, in, in 2022 uh, uh, because of, 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 of what is happening. And the situation, I think, uh, is going to get complicated here. Why? Because you have to take a look at what the founding fathers, uh, wh why they established the systems and the processes for governance that they did. A lot of it was to, of course, uh, we are a, a, a representative government. We are a, a, a Republican democracy where we elect the leaders that we send to Washington, to our federal government, to represent our voices, right? And so when there's a majority party, the majority party controls the agenda. But, but the minority voice is, is critical you know, to, to deliberation, to fashioning legislation, uh, because it, it, they are still representative of the voices of the American people. And when you shut out states that are represented by those, in this case, Republican senators, then you diminish those voices uh, to, to the extent of them being invisible or irrelevant. And, 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 and let me just say something entre parentheses here, uh, Ivan. Latinos know a little bit about what it is to be a minority voice. You know that in the 40s and 50s and 60s, we were on the outside looking in. We had no representation in the halls of Congress or, or, or in state legislatures or in, in, in many city councils across America. And, and, and so what did we do? We had to march. We had to protest. They did school walkouts. Look, I'm not saying these things were good or not good or I'm not you know, uh, advocating for them or not. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is, the sentiment of resentment builds when the minority voice voice is irrelevant, is shut out. And, and so we had to do these things that were uncouth. We're on the inside looking out now, right? You know, you know, our kids now, you know, work in the halls of, of government. Uh, they're elected to, to Senate, to uh, the House. And we're very much part of the process. And that is a better situation, right? You know, when, when you have minority voices that can contribute. And the Senate has always done that. It's taking care of the minority voice by giving them this, this opportunity to try to, to uh, encourage debate to, 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 so that we can have better laws where there's more buy-in for more people and more Americans 
that people are representative, that, that, that we, we slow down the process, that the Senate was, was it says that the filibuster is, should act like a, a cooling saucer to the hot tea that's coming in from the House of Representatives. It's a simple majority at the House of Representatives. But the Senate, you have to get 60 votes you know, before you can pass legislation. And, and, and that is because it honors and, and represents um, the minority voice. And, and it's so important. Like I, I just said you know, there might be a red wave coming in two years. Well, you know, th- this could bite the Democrats really fast. Right. And, and so it's, it, it doesn't, to your point, um, it, it, I think it would further divide us, further polarize us, and shut out millions of Americans, you know, for, for, from the legislative process. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's extremely dangerous. I mean, we're, we're so polarized right now. I think the, the friction and division on both sides is, is, is at a boiling point, right? Uh, both sides, there, there's... There's no longer, um, how do I say this? Um, there's no longer just um, opposite views, but there's actual hate. There seems to be hate between one side and the other to the point where we see the left wanting to shut down anybody that doesn't agree with them. And today, it comes from the intolerance that you're talking about, right? Right. And today we saw something. Right. We saw Facebook. We saw Facebook announce that their review board has decided to keep the lifetime ban of Donald Trump, which, you know, to me, I really don't care. Um, But, you know, you see everybody on the left celebrating it all over social media. You see people like Maria Cardona, you know. Um, tweeting saying best decision, this is great, and, and everybody celebrating that they were able to shut out a big, strong opposing view. And I think that's dangerous. I think we're going down the wrong path, Dan. And and I know your your organization is front and center and fighting all this. So uh, you know, I I don't know I don't know how you guys are going to do this, but you have a you, you have a very tough uh, tough road ahead. It's going to be like trying to push water uphill, right? Well, that's true, Ivan. Look, uh, I, I'm a fan of history, and you can tell by the background here. You know that, that I I I, uh, uh, I I study history. I study periods of history, defining moments, seminal moments in world history where you know one battle could have swung you know things one direction or the other. Uh, we, we are we are at a crossroads here in America, and and so I mean, look, freedom, as Ronald Reagan said, doesn't pass on through the blood; it passes on from one generation to the next, and, and we need to have these conversations. You know, we need to allow for freedom of expression and anything that suppresses that. In, in this case, and to, to be fair, I, what, what, what the Supreme Court just said is, is that they're going to give Facebook six months uh, to, to relook at this. And, 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 and um, they need to show how this is uh, fair and equitable uh, and has, has, there's been continuity in the past with, you know, on how they treat others. Um, but but th- th- this is not a good sign, you know, where you diminish one voice and enhance the other. And this is exactly what's going on with the filibuster. In a very real way, what they're saying is that we want to enhance the power and the control and the voice of one party and diminish almost to irrelevancy the power and control and the voice of another party. And, and, and you're right. You know, this division, this, this anger that, that is that is palpable almost in America comes when you try to shut down voices. When you right. try to shut down debate and discussion, this feeling of resentment, Latinos felt this in the 40s and 50s and 60s. 
it, it, you know what, what what helps here is when you open up dialogue when, when you when you debate ideas with better ideas right you know defeat bad ideas with better ideas that that's what, what we should be doing and let me just say one more point about this whole filibuster thing if, if you want to move on to another topic Ivan what you don't want either are wild swings in legislation you know where where you know, uh, one party comes into power and undoes what the other party just did. And then another part, there's a red wave and then they undo what, what the other party just did. We have that mess right now with executive action, right? Yep. You know, where, where a president takes a look at a gray area in the law and says, here, I'm, I'm going to issue an executive action to clear things up. Um, and, and so then another administration comes in and undoes that. And then there's courts involved in lawsuits. And then there's unpredicted, unpredicted, unpredicted. I can't even say it. No, yeah, they seem unpredictable. Consequences, unpredictable, yes. right? You know, um, yeah. and, and so there's no certainty, uh, basically, for the folks that are impacted by this executive. And, and, and that's what I was talking about, Dan. And that's what Latin America is is unpredictable. Yeah. Well, when you look at risk, when you look at risk, yeah, you look at risk. That's why investment into those countries is is very limited compared to anybody wants to come invest to the United States. It's been very predictable, right? It's been very predictable. Well, yeah, because you take a look at capital gains tax is not going to uh, skyrocket or, you know, personal income taxes uh, for those above 400,000 is going to spike up. Look, everybody knows that the rich don't pay the taxes. They pass right. it on to the poor yep. through increases in prices and products and services, or, or they do loopholes or, or they just get better lawyers and, and guess right. who gets the shaft, you know, in paying the, the taxes. The working class, as always, as always, right? And, and so, but, but still, the point is, these wild swings in, in, in policy and in legislation, if we allow the filibuster to be destroyed, is not healthy for America and it's not conducive to, to improving our economy. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. Uh, not, not, not to... Uh, Throw fire, uh, throw throw gasoline to the fire, man. But uh, pack, pack in the court, brother. Um, yeah, you know it, it's. I just don't understand it. Uh, you you have Kamala Harris the other day tweeting about uh, you know the situation in El Salvador, but you know it's really what she wants to do over here, right? And um, it, I don't know, Dan. Um, well, what, uh, what, what, I'm, 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 I'm really I'm really concerned for the state of our country. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are saying the same things. We saw the, the, the Biden administration come in and, like you said, via EAs, you know, try and undo the, the, the last four years. Um, and, and that immediately created this chaos at the border, which I know you've been personally involved in, and I'd love for you to talk to us about that. But it, it seems to just never end, and it doesn't seem like they have, they have any breaks. On the contrary, they're, they, they have their, their foot on the accelerator all the way down, and they're about to hit the NOS, right? They're about to turn on the turbo and hit the NOS, and we're going to go flying 300 miles an hour, hopefully not into a wall, you know? Well, you know, hey, uh, Joe Biden, the candidate, played the American people. I mean, he, he basically lied in their face, uh, saying that he was a moderate, uh, that he would be a uniter, and that he was going to seek unity. He hasn't shown one thing to me that has proven that he has reached across the aisle to try to reach some kind of bipartisan solution to any issue thus far. What they're seeking to, you talk about packing the court. Uh, this is this is uh, where one domino you know, topples the other, the next domino. You know, by, by getting rid of the filibuster, you can now begin to pack the court. Again, they want control of the House. They want control of the Senate. They want control of the White House. 
they're going to ruin the, they're going to uh, eliminate the filibuster so they can uh, destroy basically the the, the now um, the, the judicial uh, branch of our U.S. government and and highly politicize it uh, by packing the court to gain control uh, of the of the legislation and so that Supreme Supreme Court can rubber stamp you know whatever they pass now as being constitutional uh, because of course we know that the liberal uh, judges um, they judge according to a living breathing constitution not the original intent you know or upholding what was the true meaning of the constitution look whatever you may think about you know where you want America to go uh, there is a legislative process that you need to honor and there is also a constitutional process to amending the constitution so if if the second amendment says that Americans can possess guns and you don't like it well then amend the constitution well we can't there's not enough support then that means people get to possess guns until right. you change the constitution right but but if but if you can pack the court where you have the, the these judges that are making very fluid, flexible, vague uh, decisions like they did with Roe v. Wade, they can do just about anything now and, 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 and legislate through judicial fiat. That's the danger, man. That's the yeah. danger, and that's what I was talking about. Because once you destroy it, I think it's gone. You know, what, is, uh, what does history show? That, you know, uh, empires have collapsed after, you know, between two and 300 years, right? We're, we're starting to get there. Um, I, I hope that's not the case, but... I just see so much polarization. And like I said earlier, it's not, you know, back, you know, in the eighties, uh, you know, look, you know, the famous story about Ronald Reagan and Tim O'Neill, they would argue, they would debate, they would, you know, bang each other pretty hard. And then at the end of the day, they would get together for, for, for a beer. Right. And, um, and, and I know that happened with a lot of members of Congress in the past, but it's just become so polarized. I think part of that polarization ha has to go back to gerrymandering. And I know with the census, you know, there's there's some reallocation of seats. Hopefully, you know, there'll be some redistricting and, and help yeah, clean some. To that point, you know, the, the John F. Kennedys and the Tip O'Neills even still um, were very much different Democrats than the Democrats of today. Uh, these Democrats, uh, especially, you know, the hard left, uh, the radical, progressive, liberal uh, you know, elite uh, would impose their way quicker than anything uh, to, to pass socialist type agenda that increases and grows the, the, the largesse of the government, but also the tentacles and the power that government has to control our, our everything we do and everything we say. And, and we're seeing that, that the intolerance also that goes along with it. That wasn't the case with the Democrats under John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and, and, and Tip O'Neill. Um, we have a very different situation going on right now with well, um, even, even Bill Clinton. Yeah, even yeah, Bill Clinton wasn't like that. I mean, Bill Clinton he big government apparently and, and balanced the budget, right? You know, well, you know, you know, uh, in 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 coordination with with the Republican mm -hmm. Congress, but but still, yeah. AOC would would explode the 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 the. The, the, the largesse of, of the government and of course um take us usher in a, an era of of flat out socialism if she could you know I'm, i don't understand how they can openly embrace that um i, I think that's uh that that's that's just uh a, a conversation for our for, universities for, are gone <laughs> yeah the universities are gone so we can't uh, rely on them but you know it, it's pretty crazy hey so you've been involved you know, I've seen you down at the border. I've seen you talking to to yeah. the folks. Um, 
what's what's really going on? Because one side, you know, our side says things were working, you know, under everything that Trump had put in place with Central America, with, you know, Lopez Obrador in Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. Here comes Joe Biden and says, everybody, welcome aboard. And chaos ensues. And then you have, uh, you know, uh, the White House uh, press secretary coming out and saying, well, we're finally putting order to, to you know, a four-year mess. Um, th- that's not being honest, right? It, it, well, it's not being honest. Look, and if we're being honest, obviously uh, things were not fixed under the Trump administration. And there were still people getting through. You, you can't yeah. enforce your way to fixing what is going on at the border, right? Because the prices just go higher for, for, for cartels and coyotes, and, and they find crafty ways of getting through. But at least it was it was somewhat being mitigated, right? Or at least, you know, uh, controlled to a certain level. Uh, when the Biden administration comes in, uh, uh, came in, everybody saw it. It, you know, it happened in pure daylight and in real time. They, they overturned way too many of, of these policy positions that, that, were, that Trump had effectively used to at least mitigate a, a lot of the, the, the porous border. And, and of course, put up a, an open, you know, a welcome sign to uh, everybody that wanted to come over illegally, right? You know, w- without pr- prior authorization into America. And you had this massive surge of folks. Now, we've had surges in the past and we'll have surges in the future. Um, the, the, these things are cyclical. But, but there's no question that the policy changes and the narrative changed completely under Joe Biden and caused this current swell of people that, that have, you know, overwhelmed. The, our facilities and our ability to 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 process folks or adjudicate them to know who they are and then of course you know uh, call them to, to account you know when 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 the time is up in, in the courts right now we don't have the facilities or the personnel to handle so many uh, folks uh, Ivan especially for folks that are uh, you know unaccompanied minors um, uh, nineteen thousand just last month and nineteen thousand prior to that I think it was seventeen thousand this this past month uh, uh, excuse me uh, the point is. You know, the facilities in Donna, for example, here is about you know 30 minutes from, from where I live, are overwhelmed. Here in McAllen are overwhelmed. They, they don't know what to do with so many folks. So they're just cashing and releasing them. A lot of them, they ain't even taking their names. They're not even giving them any kind of court date or any kind of a, a paperwork. There's going to be a, a future court date. So we appreciate what uh, John Cornyn and, and Kristen Cinema from Arizona have done is to introduce legislation that is going to increase facilities, the personnel, the judges. Um, the, the border patrol agents and, and, and CIA agents that are going to be necessary to to process and adjudicate folks so that they quickly know that they qualify for asylum or they don't for refugee status or they don't. And, and th- that's one of the main problems we have today, that we don't have that ability. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And uh, I don't think uh, our vice president is doing anything good right now. I think she has yet to visit the border and she's the uh, the uh, immigration czar. How do you how do you see that situation, Dan? Well, look, um, you're right. She's been invisible, practically, uh, which tells me that this is not a priority for her. Um, yeah. She has not showed up to to the border to at least, you know, give the impression that she cares. Um, so what I would ask the president to do is one of two things. Either get rid of uh, uh, um, uh, Vice President Harris uh, or, or eliminate that, that designation. And you step up because you were elected to to address the tough challenges on the border and immigration. And you made promises and you had to deliver on those promises because Latinos are sick and tired, fed up. And you know this, Ivan, of these empty promises from Democrats that if you vote for them, they're going to achieve immigration reform. And then, of course, an administration comes and goes and nothing happens. And and they'll, they'll tell you the excuse. 
Well, it's because the Republicans don't, you know, uh, don't don't want to cooperate. It, basically, what they're telling you is, we'll get you immigration reform as long as we get everything they want and they get nothing. And if yeah. that's the case, then we're going to pass on legislation. You didn't say that when you were running for office. You said you were going to achieve immigration reform. And I think they're going to pay heavy consequences by Latinos now because I think we see their game and we're tired of it. And I'm glad you brought that up. So we saw 2004, uh, President George uh, W. Bush, he got 44% of the Hispanic vote. Then we saw 2008, John McCain dropped to 31. We thought, uh, you know, 2012, Romney, he went down to 27. Uh, 16, I think Trump got 29, 30%. Right. Um, 2020, what was the number at the end? Probably 35, 36, somewhere around there. Plus, plus, you know, we always know that there's a plus there of of um, of Latinos that don't no longer identify as Latinos. Right. Like uh, like like my kids, they, you know, they they don't even put Hispanic anymore unless it's for like college. Right. (laughs) Or or something. (laughs) Hey, man, you know, let's be real. Right. And uh, and. Because they're not into this whole identity politics, you know, they don't care, you know. And anyways, so you you look at the trend, right? The trend of Latinos is coming back and it has and you can say that it is it is coming back because of Trump, if you want to really take that. Or you can say it's coming back because of the policies. Right. So we saw four years of Republican policies, even if they didn't like the president, they liked the policies. And the policies really helped Latinos uh, more than anybody, really, because when we saw wage growth for the first time in 10 years, the most benefited by the wage growth were Latinos. Right. So we see that situation. How does Libre, how are you guys working to continue to move that message that our policies are the right ones? Because we know for a fact and we know this and I've read uh, and I have wrote about it is that Latinos natural home is in the Republican party, right? Um, they tend to be more conservative. They tend to be about smaller government. You know, they, 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 there's a lot of shared values in there. Uh, and I always say this and I'm going to say it again. Um, unfortunately the Republican party is terrible at messaging, terrible at engaging, uh, minorities, especially Latinos. Um, but the president was effectively, able to move that needle, not just with Latinos, but also with the African-American community, right? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in that, that group that says that uh, I like 90% of Trump's policies and 10% of his communication. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, it's like, um, and, and, and I think Latinos uh, you know, are, are now getting to a point of, of, of sophistication in, you know, in the American you know, political system where what matters to them is now policies and how it impacts their lives. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if you're a party, if you're a candidate, I, I, you know, we, we're also uh, very much in that sentiment where you need to express two things. One is that you care. Two is that your ideas work. Right. And, you know, if you if you don't care, then I, I don't care what you have to say, it, I think is what a lot of people are going to say. And so you, and, and you care. One of the ways you, you 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 prove you care is you show up, right? You, you give us the time of day. Dime a lo que atiendes y te diré quién eres. You know, tell me what you'll give your attention to, and I'll tell you who you are. And yeah. if you're not giving your attention to the Latino community, then you, you obviously don't care about the Latino community. Just like Harris doesn't show up at the border. I mean, you don't care, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so, 
And number two, do your ideas work? You just said, Ivan, uh, that the Republicans are terrible at, at you know getting their ideas, you know, to 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 um, at messaging, right? You know, to to yep. the Latino community. I don't think they're terrible at messaging. They just don't show up. The message works. The ideas yeah. are better. The ideas are superior to those of the of the Democrat Party, frankly. Um, and, and I'm nonpartisan, but I'm trying to tell you is that if you just show up and, and express where you stand and how those ideas make my life better, you win. Yep. Uh, but when you don't show up, and for decades, you know, the Republican Party, and I don't know if it was consultants or who the heck it was, uh, you know, told Republican candidates to stay away from the Latino community. They paid the price for that yep. because you don't care is basically what you're saying. But you had the better ideas. And for the longest time, there was a one way, one dimensional discussion going on in the Latino community. And that was the left of center uh, making the investments, making the outreach and the engagement and mobilizing Latinos to, to you know, to, to get Latinos to vote for, for the Democrat Party. And they won yeah. because they showed up and, and they seemed to care more. And so I that well, hey, and I, I always make fun of my party or the Republican Party because I always say, you know, the uh, Republican Party's Latino Hispanic strategy is six months before the election, come up with the uh, with a brochure in both languages on why I'm Republican. And let's make a YouTube video, guys, and pass <laughs> and share it with all your buddies. You know, there we go. Let's get back to work now. Totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, dude. That's what happened. And we expect, and we expect to. Uh, and even then, voting for you. You know, even then, you had like thirty percent that were that were going to vote for you because you know they had sort of cut through the noise and figured out that they had the better ideas that was going to lessen my taxes, lessen regulations, allow me to innovate as an entrepreneur, do more energy production, and have higher paying jobs. It was pro-life, uh, pro-liberties, pro-Second Amendment, you know, all these things that, that Latinos figured out. But, but And that's in spite of you not showing up and not caring. Now, imagine if you showed up, cared, and, and expressed your ideas. That's why I think you're seeing the kind of results you saw uh, in, in 2020. Um, Donald Trump talked directly to the Latino community, it turns oh, out. You know, and and, and the, the way he governed was pretty damn effective, it turned out. Uh, in, in generating right, right. economic opportunity for everybody. And, and that's 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 what you want to see. Yeah, that was huge. I thought that was huge. And that really resonated with the uh, with the Hispanic community. Hey, real quick, I know you got to go. Um, Rio Grande Valley, talk to us about that. Miami-Dade County, talk to us about that. And other battleground uh, centers or hubs or, 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 or presence that are going to play a key role in 2022. Yeah, th look, there has never ever been a better time for the Republican Party or Republican candidates to capitalize and to leverage this window of opportunity that they have right now where Latinos are listening to what they have to say. Seize it. Invest, right? You know, do what you have to do. Show up in, in Latino churches, uh, restaurants, uh, communities, universities, uh, community centers, seniors, senior citizen centers, whatever. Right. in whatever events that they're having, because they are listening. And I think they're fed up with empty promises from the other side. And, and frankly, uh, uh, Ivan, they are freaked out with how, you know, uh, the Democrat side is trending towards socialism, growing the largesse of government, centralizing more and more uh, power. This, this power grab that they're doing with a filibuster, I, I think, is, is opening up a lot of eyes. They are willing to destroy our, 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 our systems of government. So that they have more power. I mean, come on, this isn't enough. You have the House and the Senate. You can't do enough with that. 
that, that you're willing to destroy our, our, our government institutions? No, uh, para nada. Uh, we're not going to have it. And, and, and so, look, Latinos are listening. What do you got to say? What about Nevada? Is uh, Latino vote going to play big in, in 2022 there? Of course it is. Look, you know, the unions have had a stranglehold there for a stranglehold there for the longest time. And, and, you know, from coast to coast, you know, when I say a one-sided conversation, keep yep. in mind that, that it was Spanish language television. It was university professors. It was unions. It was these, you know, uh, nonprofit, nonprofit, nonpartisan uh, Latino organizations that were very left of center who were taking federal and state grants, spending them, and then, you know, the telling uh, Latinos who to vote for that have been uh, dominating the conversation. That is starting to, to, to turn. Uh, there is now massive investments from the center right, center right organizations, center right media, the folks like yourself, Ivan that are driving a different conversation with better ideas and Latinos are listening. And so folks uh, uh, in Nevada, uh, they showed a massive shift in their political preference towards the center right, as they did throughout the Rio Grande Valley and all the way up the Texas border, uh, which I had never seen that kind of shift before in my life in this area. And then, of course, in, in, in Florida, the difference between Texas and Florida was massive. Florida, you had the massive investments by both candidates and party and third party organizations. While in Texas, it was purely organic. There was none of that money that came into Texas. It was Latinos talking to Latinos about issues that impacted them. And it was very organic in the sense that it was the local folks that mobilized and did the things that they did because you know, we, we hardly saw any candidates you know, at the national level come in here. We, we didn't see any money coming in here. And I like to think that it, it had to do a ton, Ivan, with, with the policy positions uh, of, of either side that, that are either generating prosperity or, or, or generating more dependency on the government. And, and I think we're resisting more and more that dependency and moving towards equal opportunity. I sure hope so, man. And I thank you again for coming on the show, uh, Dan. You're a stud. And, uh, and, and, and the work that you do, man, is invaluable, uh, not only for the country, but also for the uh, Latino Hispanic community. Uh, we need leaders like you. We need more of you or, uh, or, or, or for you to do more. Uh, maybe we need to expand your work days from 24 hours to 72 hours in a day. That's what we need to do. <laughs> well, I thank you, my brother. And, and right back at you, you know, we, we need your voice and we need your leadership. And these platforms are so important, again, to drive these new conversations within the Latino community. Excellent, man. I appreciate it. And all you don't forget, you can follow, follow us on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon Music audible and now on c-suite radio and c-suite tv which you can find on apple tv amazon fire stick and on roku all right and uh we'll see you thursday we have retired uh colonel uh david jonas we're going to be talking about the iran deal uh the situation over there and the failed biden policies we'll see you thursday This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.